0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Welcome once again, boys and girls, to the Bass Kayak and Beers podcast on the Paddle and Fin Network. Got a great show for you as always. Got Andrew Jacobson, winner of the Angler of the Year for the Southeast Texas Kayak Fishing. League, I think it is. He'll correct me. But anyways, super excited to have Andrew Jacobson joining us. He's also one of the tournament directors, one of three tournament directors for the TKC, Texas Kayak Championship, which has its classic um, right here, kind of around the 8th of October. to two-day classic, an exciting tournament that we're going to be talking about as well. I promised myself on the intro I wasn't going to do my um every time I do an awkward pause. So I'm trying to get better at this whole monologue intro. This is not something I enjoy doing my monologues intro, but I do it for you guys. So I can plug in the commercials we need to plug in for waypoints and kind of make it run smoother. So I'm not even going to edit it if I do any umps. But anyways... Great show for you today as far as what we got looking forward for next week. We got the Lone Star Throwdown, October 9th. That's going to be super exciting. It's going to be in Belton Lake and also Stillhouse Reservoir. I forgot the name. I know it starts with Stillhouse. But that's going to be an exciting tournament, October 9th. I am so hoping I wish I could have been there, but I got family. Got my mom visiting from Puerto Rico that weekend, so I need to spend time with her. We'll see if I can move things around and still make it. But man, oh man, is that going to be exciting. And whoever wins it, I'm sure I'm sure, I'm going to try to get them on the podcast so you guys can listen to that one. Because that's another exciting tournament that I'm that you know comes every year at the same time here in texas and everybody in texas loves it and looking forward to it at least everybody that's involved in kayak fishing but anyways that's what we got for you today we're going to bring andrew Jacobson in a moment but first we'll go to a quick commercial we'll be right back with andrew jacobson mr andrew jacobson with the bling bling how you doing man good to
2: see you buddy um yeah check this out it's uh Quite heavy, by the way. Um, I, I wasn't quite prepared for how heavy it was going to be, but uh, I don't see how the rappers do it, quite frankly.
1: Man, that is—that's uh, like a so, is that solid gold and diamonds?
2: It's, it's got to be. Uh, you know, SETX KBO goes all the way out. And, you know, and I'm sure this is uh, worth several hundred thousand dollars.
1: I saw you with that. I was like. Wait a minute. Do I have one of the original members for the Beastie Boys with this that's today and I didn't know about it?
2: Nah, I'm like Vanilla Ice's crappier old geriatric. <laughs> I'll wear it and I'm going to wear it proudly. So Hey,
1: word, <laughs> word to work, word to church, man. You wore that thing proud, man. Congratulations.
2: I get some weird looks, but I, I think I'm going to do it
1: quite frankly cause just it was, it was just just for sure. just be careful what neighborhoods you were though you don't want to you don't want to get look and the, looking at the barrel of a gun there for doing that though <laughs> nobody's That's,
2: taking my chain nobody's taking no
1: chain. definitely not matter uh, but joking with all that you know before we move after that was cruel on my part i'm sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> But looks good, man. Looks good. Anyways, congratulations, man. Yeah. Uh, Southeast Texas kayak fishing, right?
2: Yeah, Southeast Texas kayak kayak bass league. It's uh, quite a mouthful. We call ourselves the Alphabet Crew, just because there's so many consonants in there and vowels and. SETX KBL run by tournament director Chris Morales. Awesome guy. Uh, good bunch of folks. They're out of uh, the Houston area for the most part. I'm a little bit of an outsider. I'm from the Austin area, but uh, I've been fishing them some, every single event from the outset. Uh, you know, it started in three years ago. I haven't missed an event. Good bunch of guys.
1: First time winning the young of the Year with them?
2: First time? Yep. Uh, you know, I, have been in the running, but, uh, I was never as close as this year. And, you know, this, this, uh, I was really the Cinderella story. The other three guys that I was in competition with for Angler of the Year, they all had pretty sizable leads, uh, going into this last event. Um, the, the two lakes we fished were Athens on day one and, uh, Palestine on day two or Palestine or Palestine, I think is how they pronounce it. Uh, and Everything had to go right, and fortunately, it did in my case because I thought for sure, you know, I just had kind of a, a mediocre day uh, on, on the second day, and I thought, well, that's not going to be enough, but so few people did outstanding that I, I, I slid right in there and just enough spacing between me and the other guys to where I came out on top just by a single point in the AOL standing. I mean,
1: Wow. Did you actually won the tournament on the, the tournament? I came tournament? fifth.
2: I came fifth. fifth. Uh, and I was all alone in fifth. The, the guy ahead of me was like nine inches ahead of me in fourth. And the guy behind me in sixth place was like seven inches behind me. So uh, all alone in fifth. I, I won a little money there. But the, the big thing was taking home uh, the Angler of the Year for SCTX KBO. And also, I, I got a, a great trolling motor, so I won't have to wear my nice. out uh, paddling around like I've been doing the past, uh, four, uh, you know, past 10 years or so.
1: Alan Cox who actually won that tournament, yeah. didn't he? Yeah,
2: he did. He did. Oh, oh, congratulations and Andrew, to Alan. Andrew, Andrew Middlebrook uh, came in second. Alan, uh, he put a whooping on us. He There was yeah. quite a bit of uh, a difference between first, second, third, fourth. And like I said, I was kind of all alone in fifth. But... Uh, tough day on uh on palestine and um you know anybody who's fished that lake can tell you it's it it, it can it can treat you wrong if uh, yeah. you don't you don't find them
1: yeah palestine this year has been i mean it's been tough man i fished it for the tkc you were you were yep. in that tournament as well I, I skunked. I, I skunked. yeah <laughs> i i managed to catch two but man oh man it was a tough one yeah. i think that was, like, two weeks after the the snowmageddon. Yep. So I figured, you know, it's like, okay, you know, kind of expected it. Um, you know, fish are still trying to get used to, I guess, something that, what, probably many of those fish have never seen before <laughs> in their life. Well, yeah. So... Palestine is a,
2: a pretty shallow lake, you know. Yeah, it it's is. It's very stained and it, it tends to be shallow, so... um I, I I had trouble finding them during TKC. I thought what I was throwing was going to work. So, you know, that kind of colored my impression of how the day was going to go for me uh, last Sunday. And sure enough, it was it was a tough one. Uh, so what I did was I went out on the main lake and just basically um, threw senkos, wacky senkos under docks. And I got into some spotted bass, and I, I got on enough of them to limit out not not much of a limit i mean barely seven you know not even 70 inches right no. right there at 70 inches so you're talking 14 inch fish and uh but that was enough uh you know none of none of the other three competitors were able to fill out their limits for for uh day two and you know what they say you, you know you got to limit out if you're gonna win
1: yeah no i they've said it before and uh tried you you know they say separate the men's from the boys, but nowadays you know there's a lot of ladies out there competing, so we kind of like be politically correct say well, separates the the adults from the child I should say, but yeah two day tournaments definitely do that
2: well you know if if you talk about separating the men from the boys and the men from the women you know you gotta you gotta take uh miss Fisher and miss field into because yeah. those those two are hell of a six and you know yes. they, they would put a whooping on me and you like you wouldn't believe
1: oh definitely and that's what i say being politically correct let's just say it adults from the children <laughs> yeah well you know uh,
2: that's one thing i love about the kayak fishing world yeah it's uh you know it doesn't matter your economic background your yep. whatever you know you could be anybody and as long as you know how to fish, you're going to gain respect within the community. If you follow the rules, if you're you know not a jerk on the water, people are going to respect you and you're going to gain respect.
1: Definitely. So Andrew, take us through your season. Uh, you said you fish every single event um, for, the, for this tournament or for this trail, I should say. So uh, how was, you know, how did the season start? How did it go midway? And, you know, obviously we know how it ended, but, you know, at what point do you realize, hey, you know, I might even actually win Angler of the Year? Well,
2: it started off kind of rough for me. Um, we we Every year, uh, we start off on Lake Fayette. I don't know if you fish Fayette, but that is a great fishing lake. Yeah. And, you know, there are so many good fish that people are going to live and I got a, a decent limit, you know, I got a 85-inch limit, I think. But that was not enough to even get me anywhere close to the money. And I think I finished, like, in the mid-20s or something like that. So that was the one tournament I had to drop. And Fayette has treated me so well in the past. i won tournaments out there. I've, well, not won them. I've come in second, like, three times on some major tournaments out there, kayak tournaments. But not this time. So you know, Fayette was my first stumble, and I thought, well, we'll have to see. I do on some of these other lakes that I'm not as familiar with, and uh, we went to Conroe, and Conroe's a lake. I thought, well, those Houston guys know that they're, they're going to just uh, you know school me like a, a, a you know a three-year-old. But I I, I did okay on that, one. and I thought, well, you know, if if I'm in a position where I can uh do well maybe i can drop that Fayette score and then we uh went to choke canyon another lake that i don't fish that much down there by san antonio and i actually won third in that one and that really got me kind of amped up i thought all right now i'm now i'm in it and uh the, i had kind of a downer on uh Rayburn. uh big sam didn't treat me that great i had i think i came in thirteenth, but still it was enough points in the angler of Year race that gave me an outside chance, a puncher's chance, as Chris Morales says, for the uh, Classic, for the last event this last weekend. And uh, things came together. Uh, you know, my day one, we fished Athens, which I really like. That's, that's a fun lake. A it is. Lake. Um, everybody launches from the same launch spot. Uh, a lot of vegetation. Um, you know, I I, I knew that the way that the fish had lined up for me during uh, my pre-fish that if I wanted to really do well, I was going to have to focus on the schoolies. I thought I had that figured out, but they didn't show up until pretty late in the day. I got one really good fish in the morning thrown under docks. I got a 21 and three quarters uh, pitching a Nisenko under a dock. Uh, I got uh, you know, a, a smaller fish uh, to go along with that. And then late in the afternoon, I, I hit the schoolies with the jerkbait. And uh, that was it. I, uh, I I got my mid eight or well low eight, eight two and three quarter inches. And this was a totally blind tournament. The tournament director decided he wasn't going to have anybody seeing anybody's scores. And so I didn't know if that was a good day, a bad day. But I had the feeling that it was kind of a okay day. I think I came in ninth overall on the day. I didn't know where that was, but I knew it was okay and like you know the the adage goes you don't win a two-day tournament on day one but you can sure lose it yep and uh day two we went to palestine and boy she just put a whooping on a bunch of folks i got my my uh small limit by throwing senkos under docks and um i got into some spotted bass not big ones 13 14 inch fish but where you can find one spotted bass usually find another one So yeah. i was pulling those spots out and measuring them up and i i actually finished my limit out faster on palestine than i did on uh athens i got got my limit around noon and uh i, I did something stupid i i submitted a fish and i did uh confirm that it went through and then i had some fish that uh would have not really uh added to my uh score but uh, I didn't know it, but one of my uh, bigger fish didn't, didn't make it, so I was just throwing those back, and that would have uh, increased my, my uh, overall score by a little bit, not much. But I ended up with 69 and three quarters on day two, went back to the ramp, took my boat out, sat around waiting for the rest of the folks to come in. I was kind of deject, dejected, you know, even in the morning going in, I thought, you know what, I really needed, you know, as an outside Dark Horse candidate. I really needed to have a good day one on Athens. I didn't have that. Uh, you know, I got my limit on day two, but I didn't get a big limit. I needed to have one of those two things happen: either a good day one or a good day two. I had two just kind of mediocre days. But when Chris called my name as Angler of the Year, I beat the the number two guy, Ruben Martinez, by a single point. Uh, and wow. <laughs> it's crazy because. You know, all the fishing that we did all year long, uh, four di- six different lakes, uh all the time that we spent on the water. One lousy twelve inch fish for any of the other three guys that I was keep you know, competing against on day day two on Palestine would have changed the their, uh standings remarkably and I wouldn't have won. Uh some of the people that were interposed between me and the people that finished below me in the angler of the year if they hadn't done better. I mean, any number of things could have happened that would have prevented yep. me from winning, but it just it happened the way it did, and I and I you could have floored me, you could have just knocked me over with a feather at that point, and I I probably rambled and stumbled through my acceptance speech kind of like I'm doing <laughs> right now.
1: <laughs> no, it's a great content, man. It's the I mean, I'm sure that's what the listeners want to hear all the stories, all the behind the scenes of your you know how you got to where you you got, and it's interesting because. When you think about, it, I mean, I know I'm going to be biased because I live in Texas and I love Texas and I love Texas fishing. But truly, we have some of the best anglers in the nation here. And maybe not all of them were part of the Southeast Texas Kayak Bass Fishing League. But, I mean, there's some really good anglers at that league. I've seen the standings on it. And you guys have some hammers there as well. I mean, I mean people always think, and rightfully so. You know, we talk about Guillermo Gonzalez, Matt, Matthew Scotch all very deserving of all the accolades, what they've done, especially what they did on Pickwick. But other than that, I mean, local trails here have some, I mean, Slay Nation has guys like Christian, Matthew Wallace, Matt Biles that you will never hear, but they're local hammers. Same thing with the Ronaldo Nandine. You know, he may not be known nationally, but he's another great angler. J.R. Maccabee, yep. um, Jeff Isham. I mean, you, the list, and I apologize to the ones that I haven't mentioned, I mean, there's Uh, a long list of great anglers here. Mark Pernergraf. Almost forgot about Mark Pernergraf there for a second. Possibly. I compete
2: against, you know, the guys in Cats. I compete against the guys in SETX KVL. I don't have the opportunity to fish against the guys from North Texas or East Texas the way I'd like to as much as I should. I don't know their names as well as you do, but I do know their names. And I know that uh, when we get together here for the throwdown in the next few weeks, it's going to be a blast because... Yeah, and uh, you know if you're from out of state, you can make it in for that. Please do because you'll, you'll get to see some real sticks on display, and it's
1: just yeah, fun it's the throwdown is not just a great tournament. It is also like a celebration for Texas kayak fishing, exactly bass fishing. Exactly. It's it's such a fun time. There's gonna be great anglers. uh um great also content creators i know brandon Mays from that bass fishing dude is going to be and the other anglers that do a little bit of content creating kayak fishing going to be there i mean it is it is a celebration of texas fishing for sure texas bass fishing i should say and it's such a great time anybody if you live around the area and you want to drive down do the drive it's worth it it's a great time and it's two great lakes still house and belton i mean we had Belton at TKC. I know you you being part of the TKC um, tournament directors. That was another great. Rolando Dantin actually won that one.
2: Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Rolando's uh, the real stick, and yeah, uh, the, there there are quite a few uh, sticks in Central Texas, South Texas, you know, San Antonio area, Austin area. Uh, this one's in our backyard, so there's no excuse for the Central that I represent not to do well because you know it's Belton's a good leg. Um yeah. it's uh a little bit more I would say um bluffs and rocky, whereas yeah. uh Stillhouse Hollow, you're gonna see a lot more hydrilla, it's a very clear lake. Uh you can you'll you'll definitely get a limit, you know, in either lake, but uh I don't know. It, it it'll it'll really kind of boil down to who can get on the big ones.
1: Yeah, still has a lot of a lot of grass over there in some areas. So Yep. Even though they're next to each other, they fl- I wouldn't say fish completely different, but I mean it is different. I mean the approach that you're gonna, the game plan between one or the other, um, could vary drastically.
2: Yeah, and I love uh, Belton just for the fact that you can, you know, get into some really nice smallies too, and that's that's yeah. something you can do in every lake in Texas. So, um, I'm I'm looking forward to you know doing a little pre-fishing and seeing. Seeing some people I haven't seen for a while. Seeing some faces that uh, I haven't seen since the spring. And get to see some people I haven't seen since uh, last year. You know, Duke throws a a great, great event. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Like I said, it's kind of like a a party with the backdrop of a tournament going on.
1: No, And speaking of that, uh, you just mentioned Duke Trend. I mean we one of the things that we have here in Texas is we have a bunch of great tournament directors. And I don't know all of them by name, so I do apologize for the ones that I'm um I don't mention. But obviously Chris Morales, one of the better known. Patrick Malone also has done a great job here. And we wish Patrick Malone and the whole Malone family the best, by the way. Um you're working with TKC, Duke Tran with the Northeast North North Texas kayak fishing. I mean, we're blessed with having such great people doing a great job as tournament directors. And we were talking about it on the pre recording. You know, tournament director is one of those jobs where the less your name comes up, the better you're doing. One thing that I really appreciate about, for example, what Chris Morales does, and I'm not going to say he, he, He's copying, but I do see a lot of similarities. With what Chris Morales does and what AJ McWhorter does with um, with the Hobie Bos. Which, if you look at AJ, he's never interested in being the face of Hobie Bos. And there's right. a, not a lot of tournament director. Chris Morales is another one that does that. Great. He does. He's not interested in being the face of it. He'd rather no. be behind the scenes and make sure everything runs as smooth as it can. And there's going to be hiccups. Doesn't matter what whether, whether it's Hobby BOS, whether it's Bassmasters or Bass Nation, categories, I should say, um KBF. The problem is and you know, we see with KBF when one person tries to be the face of it, it, it could be good for your social media content and your growth, but there is also a lot of heat that comes your way. And why I really appreciate it, going back to what Chris Morales does and what AJ does, is like they're not interested in just being in the face. They just want the anglers that are competing and putting on the show to be the face of the tournament scene and not themselves. So big shout out to them is, again when you when your name comes up, it's usually because something didn't go right and everybody is pooping on your parade. You know, everybody's quick to point out their finger. Everybody's quick to say, you know, oh, this is, shouldn't be have done. This should have, have happened. But everything works out great. Nobody mentions the tournament director. Everybody's going to mention who won the tournament, Angler of the Year or Tournament of Champions, whoever won that. And that's the way it should be in a sense, you know, the, the ones who actually win the tournament should be the ones, you know, getting all the accolades, but... Let's take some time to appreciate what Chris Morales, you yourself have done with the TKC and Duke Trent and a bunch of others here in Texas and around the right. nation that really do put on great job and make sure that the anglers get the spotlight and not necessarily themselves.
2: Right, and I think that's so critical that the spotlight beyond the anglers and that uh, their achievements are what should be you know put front and center not the tournament director uh and and i I think we all know what we're talking about without saying anything but uh you know uh, we're really blessed here in texas we've got people that understand that i mean uh, even though it's his first year kate paskowitz with uh the cats angler tournament series did a fantastic job and you know he got hit with a a cheater right off the bat and he had to yeah so you know, it, 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 unfortunately, we have a kind of reputation here in Texas of uh, having some cheap anglers, but we're catching them, and I think that's just a function of how many tournament trails we have, too. You know, the number of people that we have in the, kay- the kayak angling community we have here in Texas, the number of trails we have, there's bound to be some bad apples, but we're catching them, and, uh, you know, better not uh, be, be too blatant about it, because uh, yeah. we are from Texas. Cliff asked, Asht-
1: <laughs> Cliff, Allen. what is his name? Cliff Asno. Asht- Cliff- no, Allen is going to expose you on a KBN group page if you cheat. That's for sure. You'll make sure it's kind of like a double edged sword because we're always on that. You know, we <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's putting it out there on the KBN yeah. group page. It's like, come on, Cliff, try to look for somebody from another state that's cheating. <laughs> I'm sure they're there. <laughs> look well, for those every now and then <laughs> flip is the people's champ he takes it the so people's seriously.
2: champ and uh, you know what uh, i i have been on the receiving end and you know yeah. I, I made peace with it but uh you know I, I i appreciate everybody that wants to make our sport clean and uh is, is rotten apple free as we can get and yeah how it's done is kind of less important as you know, making sure that it happens that way. Because we've got a bunch of really great people here. Yeah. Um, you know, it starts with having great tournament directors that uh, stand back and, you know, stand in the in the side, you know, just, just off the front stage and don't feel like they need to be in the spotlight like, like we've been talking about. Chris Morales does that, you know, and he's got some great people behind him helping out, too. Uh, Chris Delgado, love him. Yeah. He's wonderful.
1: Slim. Uh,
2: Yes, Slim, uh, you know, Christina is his wife and, you know, taking care of all the things that she does for uh, the, after after the tournament's over. You know, there's so many things that go into making a tournament, ta- a trail work well that if it doesn't go well, it's jarring and you can just feel how uncomfortable people are. But when it goes right, it's the tournament director doesn't get near as much credit as they should, but everybody feels it. You know, it's just a good feeling, good vibe for people to be around it, and that's definitely what we had this last weekend at uh, the SETX KBF Classic. And I was so proud to be a part of it, and I'm, you know, I'm honored to be wearing this chain for real.
1: That's good, man. It looks good on you. I like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting for the next release hip hop yeah, album to be released.
2: To, uh, defend this for sure. You know, next year they're going to call me two chains.
1: I mean, I saw talking trash already. I like it. <laughs> By the way. <laughs>
2: those, uh, those guys you know they're, they're they're already gearing up for next year and, and oh no yeah you
1: i i talked to mark pendergraft when i had him on the podcast kind of talking about a little bit of you know having that bullseye on your back and i was one of them when when i fished the slain asian texas and he at the last minute was you know entered and i'm going to the captain's meeting. I see what the heck is Mark Penegraff doing here? <laughs> but in the sense that I was like, you know, I want to, you know, all of us out there, you know, you want to take down names. You know, you, you. when you start off, you understand maybe you're just, you know, at this point, just giving out your lunch money to people. But once you're in your second year, you're you're ready to start winning some money. Not necessarily winning money. because I mean, I don't really care about the money. I'll take it if I win it. But more the respect and the, you know, the sense of accomplishment. So when you see guys like Mark Pernigraf, I see him on a tournament, like Brian Howell, another one that's doing great in the Hobie BOS. You know, I'm I'm rooting for them when I'm on the water. I just want to beat them. And I don't want to beat them when they're struggling. I want to beat them when they're having a good tournament, you know. Hopefully not a great tournament, (laughs) you you know. But...
2: You want to you want to beat people at their best so yeah. you know how you measure up, and that's a lot of yeah. what we do. It's it's not about the money, and that's why it's so jarring when you run across people that uh, decide they're going to take shortcuts or cheat or whatever. It's yeah. like you're you're just making a mockery of the whole uh, aspect of trying to have a, a fair level, balanced playing field. And if you don't do that, then uh, you're just cheating yourself. And yeah. you know, it, I I love it. I love being around people. I love the tournament series that I've been involved in. Uh, it, it's a fantastic feeling getting up in the morning, getting to be around people, that have the, the similar uh, ethos and similar uh, big dreams that we all have about landing those big fish and sacking out a big limit. And, you know, I, I'm just every single morning that I get up uh, ready to, Get on the water. It just feels like a blessing.
1: Definitely. By the way, uh, I was going to mention, and I got off subject, but uh, Christopher DeGalb, I think, won Big Bass, $300. Congratulations to Slim. Yeah. I think, right? Didn't he win Big Bass, if I remember correctly?
2: He he got his personal best, uh, 23 and uh, three-quarter, seven-plus pounder. 23 and Uh, three-quarter. Wow. Yeah. And if you've seen the video of him, he he sounds like he's just – not ready to fall over uh you know he was just so stunned um i, I would have been thrilled to have, you know caught a fish like that i mean Heck anytime yeah. you get a, a fish that's 20 plus inches you know it's when, when you see that mouth open up and come out of the water yeah your, your your heart will about leap right out of your throat
1: yeah definitely So congratulations to chris christopher the sure. guy yeah. also great ambassador here for texas kayak fishing what's been your personal best andrew
2: i got i was fishing uh if you know the austin area ladybird lake which is like right downtown yep. I was fishing that at night uh, i think it was nine and a half pounds didn't, didn't make double digits um but i think it stretched out to 25 inches wow uh yeah it, it was a monster it was, it was just fun fishing though so it didn't really count for anything I had a good one during the cat series on uh lake lbj that was a 24 24 plus i can't remember exact that went eight pounds that was my best tournament fish i've had some good tournament fish uh and which is kind of uh out of sequence with what i typically throw i mean i'm I'm a senko uh finesse kind of i'll work an area so completely thoroughly that uh, if you come back after me you're, you're probably not going to catch too much so just any fair warning about anybody who wants to uh, potlick any any water that i'm on um uh, <laughs> but yeah uh my style is not uh power fishing it's more finesse it's more you know drop shop wacky rig um you know work uh work an area until it's completely done
1: you know and there's something to be said about that because some of us as guys i mean like i started doing you know that's finesse fishing because you know once you start off usually you uh, from unless you're like jeff isham which was born came out of the wound with the with a bait <laughs> caster apparently because i think he said he's never thrown a spin spin cast before i was shocked when he said that on the podcast i'm like we never thrown this like god but for most of us you know you start fishing you just start out with those little sepcos or or you know um that your dad bought when you were little or oh, then yeah. eventually you go those, into a uh, yeah
2: 10, 10 Zepco 202s that he'd just yeah. break and buy another one you know and uh that's what i grew up with and i thought i was yeah. really big time when i got a Zepco 33 you know, one of the, the $10 rod reels. Yeah. You know, when, when I finally went up to a spinning reel, you know, a Mitchell 300 or whatever it was, I thought, wow, can't get any better than this. Yeah. And now I'm, you know, dropping $200, $250 on a rod or a reel and not thinking twice about it.
1: Yeah, that, exactly. And that that was my point. You know, you start off with the – most of us start off being a finesse fisherman because, well, we still learning – to cast and you don't want to start off with the bait cast, so you usually start off with the spin. You know, for those that up that didn't grow up fishing, you know, I'm I'm not from that um southern bluegrass um culture where you grew up bass fishing since you were little. Kind of like in the same thing you were saying, you know, I, I started fishing with, with my dad when you just throwing worms out there for panfish. Yep. You know, it yep. was nothing serious about going to bass fishing. So going back to that We started, you start off usually, a lot of us start off with just, you know, being a finesse fisherman. And we move on to power fishing. We move on to the nice, heavy, um, very high-end equipment because we love it. Um, But there's something to be said, you know, about the finesse fishing. And it is a consistent bite. And, you know, proof proof is in the pudding. You know, you won Angler of the Year on one of the most demanding tournaments here in Texas. But it's because you got that consistent bite and, you know, you can hit a home run every now and then. But what's going to get you to that angler of the year is that constant putting five fish limit, you know, as much as you can. It, a lot of times it's not going to be in the 90s. But if on every tournament you're putting five fish, you're giving yourself a chance of winning an angler of the year race, you know. And for those out there that oh, I don't like, you know, finesse fishing, that's fine. I don't like finesse fishing as well, but the reality is, you know, once you can find that happy medium of what you like doing, what you really don't like doing, but being able to put it in effect where, where it's beneficial to you, when it, you know, applying that technique, even if you don't like it at the right time, at the right lake, at the right moment, you know, to bear fruits of, you know, like yourself be, winning an Angler of the Year.
2: Yeah, for sure. And I mean, my background, uh, you know, uh, I, I was exposed to fishing up in Minnesota, uh, where I, my, my folks are originally from and you know, up there it's all about Northern pike and walleye yep. and largemouth bass are kind of like, eh, you know, they don't have the, the spotlight the way the, the other fish do. Uh, I also lived out in uh, the Los Angeles area, Southern California for three years and, uh, I, I fished a lot of trout, you know, I was fishing with two pound test lines. So you know, I guess the, the, what you get accustomed to when you're growing up kind of allows you to understand just, you don't need to have big baits. You don't need to have, yeah. uh, you know, 20 pound monofilament or flora or whatever to horse these rascals in. Sometimes you can just, uh, finesse them and, and bring them up. And I, I like to equate myself in, in baseball terms to, uh, uh high-average contact hitter who can go yep. the opposite way. Like maybe I'm a Rod Carew, but... Uh, Tony Gwynn? <laughs> yeah, I'm a Tony Gwynn or a Rod Carew. I'm not a... Yep. I'm not Man, a Rod fan. Carew, I
1: forgot about him. Yeah,
2: I'm a Twins fan, so I got I to mention Rod Carew.
1: Yeah. <laughs> One of the great ones when it comes to contact hitting. Uh, I grew up a Cubs fan, so I remember Mark Grace, the first baseman, being that type of player who always gets on base always gets on base. It never seen him twenty home runs but he's always in that three hundred average, you know, and that's what you need when we're talking when we apply that to an angle of the year race, you know, that's what you need. Yep. Um being able to that consist by consistent bite. And hey, if you can do it while you're power fishing, you know, more power to you. Um but for the most part, you know uh, finesse fishing is what's gonna really get you that consistent well, bite. I've I've heard it so many times and I've I I've you, you seen the fruits of the, the labor. too. Yeah.
2: got to listen what the fish are telling you. And, yeah. and sometimes, uh, you know, you can't get too locked into one technique. You can't get locked yeah. into another. Sometimes they want that power bait, that power fishing uh, uh, approach. And sometimes you got to use the moving bait. Sometimes you got to fish fast. You've yeah. got to cover water. It's just a matter of uh, making those casts. And, you know, during the, the colder months, I throw an a rig And uh, that's kind of what I'm known for among the s and guys is, a rig ability and you know that that's just something i used during the colder months i didn't even touch it for this last tournament um, probably because snag an a rig and break that off your draft 2035. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, pretty much <laughs> but man again congratulations to what yeah. you've done what's what's been one of your favorite lakes to fish whether it's tournament or non-tournament but here in texas what's one of your favorite turn um lakes
2: my favorite tournament lake is probably Fayette, just because it yep. produces good quality fish consistently. I mean, I've had my days out there when I've skunked, I'm, I'm not going to lie about that, but when you get on them, you can get on a bunch of them, and they're usually strong, healthy fish. Um, the other lake that I uh, I consider my home lake, it's about 15 minutes away from me, is Lake Decker, which, oh, yeah. a few fish Decker, it's... Uh, Kind of like Fairfield, a lot of vegetation, a lot of reeds around the edges, some uh, hydrilla. Uh, it's it's a municipal lake, so it, it gets a lot of pressure. But at the same time, uh, it also uh, can produce some pretty big fish. I mean, I think my uh, run of catching 23-inch fish, 20, 23 to 24-inch fish, nothing comes close. That, that If I'm going to catch a, a, a nice uh, seven, eight-pound fish, I'm gonna try for it out of deck because that it has some really really quality bass if if you hit it the right time.
1: You mentioned something I kind of want to touch on because I've mentioned on the podcast before, but you used a term that maybe a lot of people are not familiar with. You said municipal lake. What what do you mean when you say municipal lake?
2: Well, just a, a lake that's within the city limits. Yeah, uh, you know, gets a fair amount of pressure. Uh, you know, you're gonna be sharing that lake with. Uh, recreational anglers with people uh, out there just paddling around having fun and some people at the ramp are going to know what they're doing and some people aren't. I mean East Texas you're out there to fish for the most part and uh, you know the people at your ramp you're going to see are there to talk about fishing too and you know, we get some strange looks when we're out there on the kayaks in East Texas. You know, they're looking at us like, what the heck are you guys doing using our ramp? Why don't you get off our ramp and use the, the shoreline like you should be doing? Hey, I paid $5. I'm going to use that ramp. Yeah. Anyway, sorry if I got off. My, uh,
1: no, I, I mean, you're <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. You know, you we, we try not to take too long, obviously, on the ramp. But, yeah, I mean, you pay $5, you have as much right. Um, you know, you try not to hug the, all the time and, you know, and make a line. But yeah, right. you have the right to use a, a ramp. Go ahead if it's more if it's safer for you to use it. Um, and like you said, uh, some lakes are, you have no choice but to use the ramp, even though you're on a kayak. And a lot yeah. of times it's, it's the tournament rules. You know, you some tournaments out there they'll be specific. You can only launch from a public ramp, even though you're on a kayak. So you gotta follow those rules as well. But yeah, I mean, definitely, I I like you. I I wanted to get your thoughts on what. You, what you meant with a municipal lake. I usually call them like city lakes, but uh, for those that are not familiar, that's what we're in Texas. And I'm sure other parts of the country use that term, municipal lake It's those city lakes there. It's more recreational than, yeah. um, than bass boats. You'll get the occasional bass boat fishermen, but you know, if here in Texas uh, for central Texas or North Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth area, talk about the Louisville, the Ray Hubbards, you know, Joe versus Polar. Lake, yeah. Joe Pool Lake, you know, all those yeah. versus, you know, like the Lake Forks. And I've mentioned it um, on my podcast. And I, that's one of the things that I love about East Texas. You got a lot of those country lakes that the whole town, surrounding towns are just revolved about that kayak fishing podcast. I mean, kayak fishing or fishing, bass fishing culture, I should say it all revolves around it. Like Lake Fork is just one of the things about Guaidat. It's just everything, every every surrounding uh, town or city around the lake, is just revolves around fishing and bass fishing.
2: Yeah, one of the things I love going about, or when I go to East Texas fishing some of those lakes like Rayburn and uh, Palestine and Athens, Anybody you meet at the ramp, they're going to have a conversation with you about your kayak because you're, oh, yeah. you're kind of like a, an alien from another planet. They want to talk to you. I mean, I, when when I was in the uh, the, ho- the hotel parking lot uh, for this last tournament, I had several people come up to me and start asking me questions about my kayak and what I was doing there and what lake I was fishing, what I was going to do. It's it's you're right. It's just a whole culture and everybody's immersed in it, and they they couldn't be more friendly too. And that's uh, That's the other thing I love about fishing is just the conversations, the people you meet, and uh, the friends you make.
1: Yeah. And once you're on the water and you're fishing, even if you don't catch anything, you know, people are just in a nice mood, you know. They're just just friendly. They want to talk to you. They'll they'll talk to you. They'll ask you how you did and what you catch them on and, you know, and stuff like that. It's nice camaraderie. You get to have good or – what's the word I'm looking for? You get to have just – one-on-one conversations with people that, you know, we we now live in a culture where we do not even walk down the street. You don't say hi to anybody. You don't you just live in our old world. And that applies to me as well. You know, the the world that I grew up with and the world that it is now is a completely different world. But once you're in out fishing for better or worse, you get a lot of interaction with people. Not always it's going to be nice. You know, some people don't like fishing at their spot. And, you know, maybe somebody run into some inconsiderate glitter boat captain <laughs> but for the most part you know you get a nice conversations with people on the water because you know for the most part everybody's in a good mood you're on the water well, you're not working so
2: and, and that uh, kind of jarred my memory here uh, about uh palestine you know there were two big bass boat tournaments going on at the same time as ours uh and i didn't have any problems i mean maybe some folks did i don't recall them hearing too many conversations i mean uh John B. from the Guggen Squad was out there. Uh, there There's some other big names that were out there from some of the other tournament series, uh, MLF and, uh, you know, some of those other series. Uh, We were sharing the water, and, you know, I'd I'd talk to them and have a few words for them, encouraging words, and they'd, they'd, you know, shoot it right back at me and wish me luck, and we were both trying to get that 10-pounder out from under that dock, but, uh, you know, we, we were respectful of each other's space, and I think when you communicate and you, uh, you know, don't come across as a a jerk or, you know, being extremely territorial, people respond to that and they're, they're, they're not going to, you know, be negative toward you, you know, and and that's, that's what we got to do is uh, be ambassadors for our sport.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of times, you know, you get upset at somebody doing something, but if, uh, if you have that, if you make that interaction first, they like try to diffuse kind of any tension before it starts. I've been on the water with times where it's like, okay, I want to fish this spot. I see a bass boat there. I know I'm good. I know I'm not breaking any unwritten rules, but just to be on the safe side, I'll wave, say, Hey, you don't mind if I come across, you You don't mind if I finish spot. And that helps a lot. Not everybody's going to have that consideration. The water with you, not every bass boat that, you know, comes across, comes across me, has the same um, courtesy that I showed to them. And that's fine. I, you know, try to just kind of look the other way and, and uh, you know, make not make a big deal out of it. Right. And I think that's that's one of the things I encourage guys on the water is like, hey, listen, I I know you got like I hear stories and we on the boat ramp and talking to guys, hey what happened, you know, what was the whole problem? A lot of it is man, it's just avoidable. If you just go the extra mile, you know, let's not be too proud and just say, Hey, do you mind? Even though if you got there first, even if you if you have you feel you have the right way for whatever reason, just yeah. you know, just wave high, say you don't mind, I'm gonna do this. Is that okay? I notice you're heading that way. Do you want me to go around? You want me to go to the left. It goes a long way to just being out there. Cause sometimes you get so involved, like, I want to win this tournament. I want to win this tournament. I got, you know, you forget there might be somebody out there with their kids and want to show them a good time. Their time on the water is just as important as yours. They might be right. fishing on a tournament. So it's just having that conversation that show them that courtesy goes a long way.
2: Right. And, you know, if, if you get too inside your head or get too angry at somebody else, you're going to ruin your day and yeah. you're not going to be, uh, allowing yourself to concentrate on what you should be doing. So, you know, if you, if you take yourself out of the game, uh, by worrying about what somebody else is doing, then you're, you have just hurt yourself. So, uh, you know, I try to diffuse situations. I, I know I've been guilty of, uh, having a bad interaction with, uh, people that, uh, were not respectful of my space and just kind of pretended like I didn't exist. And, you know, yeah. I, the municipal lakes that, uh, we fish here in, in, in Austin are get pretty crowded. So I don't mind fishing yeah. in a crowd. I've, I've had to learn to adapt to that. And sometimes you're going to find people that, uh, just, just don't, don't have the sense of boundaries where kayaks are concerned. And I try to, you know, at least, uh, let them know that I'm, I'm there and, we're gonna have a conversation, and you know, it's kind of up to them how how good that conversation is gonna go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's some things are inevitable. Other ones, it's like you mentioned, you can only control what you say and how you right. handle it. You can't control what other people do. So yep. if it, the way you're gonna handle it, it's gonna make it worse than you know better. You.
2: And I'm not gonna take. Better rethink the out start of, of your
1: competition yeah. by losing. Yeah.
2: Temper and, you know that's yeah. That's something I've learned over time that you can't can't uh you know uh hamstring yourself or handicap yourself by uh being over emotional you got to stay within yourself concentrate on making every cast a good one and if you do that for seven eight nine hours however long your tournament's running then you're going to give yourself a chance but uh you know there are a hundred things can go wrong on the lake you can lose focus and if uh, that happens then then you're dead
1: and worse worse even not have a good time that's that's the worst strategy you can have yeah. well not the worst tragedy <laughs> you can have you could drown that would be a worst tragedy i should clarify <laughs> but other than drowning not making it at home the other worst tragedy would be like you know not having fun out there right, so, right. you know have fun enjoy it that's it
2: right and, and we get pretty serious about what we do i mean we're yeah. fishing at the, the highest level for our sport i think and uh you know we put a lot of time and in, uh, investment both uh time away from our families and uh, you know, the, the, the amount of money that we, we sink into these plastic boat spars. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, if you're not having fun, why are you doing it?
1: Yep, yeah, definitely. Now, before I let you go, Andrew, I kind of wanted to kind of do a brief rundown. What's your, what's your kayak? First of all, what kayak are you using? Um, what electronics are you putting in it? Any trolling motors? Tell us a little bit about your rig.
2: Well, my Quick rig, rundown. Uh, yeah, my, my rig that I used in this last tournament. I got four kayaks, so I've, I've got some, some some options. But uh, the ones that I use primarily uh, a, a native Slayer Propel 13, um, and my electronics. I've I've got it's kind of modular. I just run it along the rails, and then you know can switch it out between kayaks if I want to. Uh, it's uh Morant's HDS uh, nine inch screen. Um, I just won a trolling motor as uh, part of my uh, angler of the year winning. Oh yeah, a, a Motorcraft X I one, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna get rigged up for that. Uh, that may change my opinion of uh, people who use kayak or uh, uh, you know fish tournaments out of uh, motorized vehicles. So <laughs> I may have to back up uh, on some of the words that I've spoken against them <laughs> in the past. But uh, you know, the, the the sport's evolving. It's getting more and more, uh, geared toward, um, you know, having, uh, I, I started off in a, in a paddle kayak and I fished out of that for the first three years, started out of a, uh, a chamarack angler, 10 footer, and then jumped up to a wilderness ride, 135, fished that for a couple of years, then, uh, moved over to the native, uh, propel 13. Um, I also have a Diablo Amigo that I won. Uh, that's a fun boat. Uh, yeah. And I'll, I'll paddle that around occasionally, do a little bit of river fishing on that one. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's we, we uh, I have options. And, uh, you know, anybody who thinks that you have to have top-of-the-line uh, boats or top-of-the-line electronics, it certainly helps. But, uh, you know, you don't necessarily have to have that.
1: Yep. No, definitely. You don't. Look at, which I had uh, two episodes ago, Drew Gregory. Not saying that the Crescent Kayak is not a great platform, but it's a very simplistic um, kayak. You know, it's there's nothing fancy about it. It's a great product, quality product, no doubt about that. Um, but, you know, when you compare it to like a Hobie or a, a old-town sportsman, you know, yeah. it's a lot simpler kayak. And yet, Drew Gregory's if not the best angler right now, definitely in the top. Three in the conversation of best kayak fishing ang- kayak bass fishing <laughs> angler right now, and no electric and very little electronics, too. Yeah, what uh, speaking of with what electronics do you use? Uh,
2: Lawrence HDS, uh, you know, it's uh, I, I'm, I'm not that great on electronics, but some of the lakes that I fish kind of demand that you have to get off the shore and figure out what's going on underneath you and you know i'm not i'm not a bank feeder. i I try to get away from that if i can i did a lot of that on palestine just because it's a a shallower lake and you know i think that the pattern right now is docks so you know uh you can live and die by your electronics if you're good at you you know you you could definitely uh set yourself uh you know a bit uh, apart from the rest of the pack uh, you know, maybe one day I'll get a live scope. I'm not there yet now, but uh maybe one day.
1: And favorite setup, rod and reel.
2: Uh, man, I've got such a mix match of stuff, you, you know, and I I try to take out about seven or eight rods when I I do my tournament fishing, and then switch through them during the day. Um, uh, probably my favorite. Uh, and I I, I use uh a Senko a T rig Senko on uh shimano Cronarch, uh uh mm, nice. and a, a shimano rod seven footer and it's it's just or seven and seven and three inches seven foot three inches it's it's an older rod it's not that uh fancy or anything but it just feels right quality rod. But, yep. yeah if, if you've got a rod in your hand that just you're it feels right um it, it, it makes a big difference you know and if, if you're fighting with your equipment then you're not going to have uh the confidence to to just hone in on on what you need to do to get inside the fish's head that's that's you know when you're in the zone and you're catching fish there's no better feeling
1: that's true one last question before i let you do your plugins and thank where you want to thank When do you take off the chain? When you got home with that chain and, you know, that night you were going to celebrate with the wife. Did you take it off or did you have it on the whole time? I I took
2: it home. uh, I I showed it to my wife. She laughed at me and she thought it was the greatest thing ever. So I I wore it around for a good long time and I gave her my... uh, my impression of, uh, I don't know if you ever watched robot chicken, but, uh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's I a, a character on there called Eagle. Eye, yeah. His, yeah. Uh, his rallying cry that I use when i walk to the door is I'm a champion. So that's what I can tell <laughs> it. I'm a
1: champion. All right. So we'll leave it at that then, you know, <laughs> and when, when, when. When was the last time you took that chain off? But man, again, congratulations, Andrew. Um, great job. Thanks, thanks. You know, uh being solid all season and again one of the most demanding tournaments with some of the best anglers here in Texas. Yep. Like you can put them up against anybody in the nation and um you know they'll still they'll still show their quality as anglers. So uh it wasn't easy, I'm sure it wasn't. Um, but again, congratulations. I'll give you a few minutes if you want to thank anybody you wanna thank. Um, I'm sure the wife is going to be one of them considering he lets she keep four kayaks in the garage and, <laughs> and fished all the uh, tournaments for the Southeast Texas.
2: Yeah, that's, that's definitely a consideration. The next house I'm going to get is going to have a three car garage so I can have <laughs> my kayaks. Um, my wife, Anna is a good, uh, fisherwoman in her own right. She's, uh, actually, she had a really good tournament day on Palestine about four years ago where she shamed me and she outfished me and the guys that we were fishing with on the the cats tournament that day never let me live that one down um she she's wonderful she lets me fish uh the the agreement is i have to split whatever i win with her 50 50. so uh yeah i didn't i didn't make that much money. anybody?
1: <laughs> yeah i think the winnings was what two hundred dollars
2: so, uh, yeah, she's, uh, she, she, she gives up a lot of her time to take care of my mom. She lives with us. She's 92 years old, and, you know, for me to be out of the picture and, and falling on Anna's uh, uh, shoulders to have to take care of my mom, it's quite a sacrifice for her, and, you know, uh, We we have to be in sync you know if your, your family life doesn't uh, line up well then you're not gonna have a good tournament you're not gonna have a, a happy life I'll tell you that so um, I'm, I'm blessed to have a wife that's very indulgent of me being away and, and doing as much fishing and free fishing as I do um, I'd like to thank uh, Chris Morales for running the SETX KBO uh, you know, all the time and effort that he puts in it's an excellent series Um, I'd like to thank uh, Joseph Sanderson for being a tournament director along with me and Chris for the TKC. I'd like to thank Caden Paskowitz for running CATS. I'm also in the CATS Classic coming up here in the next month. Uh, All the tournament directors here in Texas, y'all are doing a great job. Keep it up. Um, Texas is strong. We're going to be strong. And I wish we could show off more than we do in some of these national tournaments. Uh if we weren't so dang far away from the rest of those folks out in the south, yeah. we'd, we'd be showing them up. But uh, hook them, you know. We're we're a hell of a, a state, and uh, I'm proud to represent. SETX KPL as their angler of the year for 2021.
1: Congratulations, man! We're that chain proud.
2: Will do. Will do.
1: Andrew, thank you again so much for joining us. Uh, for those out there listening. Go check out the sponsors for the Bass, Hack and Beers podcast. Go to check out douglasoutdoors.com. Full lineup LRS rods, X-Matrix rods, and the award-winning fly fishing rods or Sky G rods. So thank you again to Andrew for joining us. If you're going to be out on the water, guys, out there listening, girls out there listening, please wear your PFTs. Be safe. Have a great time on the water. See you next week. Peace out.